everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to episode 57 of Who Gives a Dram. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're a new listener, I appreciate you checking out the show. It means a lot to me if you're a returning listener. Um, as always, I appreciate the support. Uh, the best way to support the show, tell a friend about Who Gives a Dram. Make sure you're subscribed on all audio platforms. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Like the videos on YouTube. All that good stuff. Leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show. Uh, tell a friend. Tell a friend if you like who gives a dram. Um, I would appreciate that very much. Um, as always, this um, this podcast is brought to you by The Grapevine Media, www.thegrapevinemedia.com. Make sure you go check us out over there. Uh, make sure you go to manscaped.com slash grapevinemedia. You'll get a 25% off your entire order throughout the entire holiday season. Keep your balls clean. Keep yourself feeling good. Keep yourself looking good so you perform good. That's my motto. I've been saying that since I was since I was a kid. Um and that's that's the business I've got for the show, you guys. We've been a while. It's been a while since we've been here just you and I. Um we're doing a late record this week on the show. Um you know, I have a really busy week coming up. Lots of things to do. It's the week before Christmas. Um and there's just a lot of planning to go around, a lot of things that I'm doing that I can't quite talk about yet, but we're going to talk about it in the near future, and um, it just makes for a busy week. So I'm actually recording this on Monday night. It's 9.30 on the dot right now, and um, I just got home from work. I just got home from work maybe 15 minutes ago, so still kind of I'm kind of tired but you know it's a late it's another hashtag late night podcast mm, 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 mm. so respect uh um but before we get into any of the other jokes or any of the fun um before we get into this beautiful bottle of Weller antique 107 I have sitting here um there was uh, a huge storm that affected Kentucky this past weekend um Kentucky Tennessee Arkansas Illinois Missouri and Mississippi uh got struck by a massive tornado uh traveling over 200 miles per hour they're saying it's the largest tornado the largest storm in the history of Kentucky or at least in a very long time um it's uh, being stated as of today, as of this recording, which is Monday, December 13th, that at least 74 people uh, have died, um, and there are 109 people that remain unaccounted for, um, thousands and thousands of homes destroyed, and tens of thousands of lives changed forever. Um, I know Mayfield, Kentucky... Um, was a very large area hit. I don't know if it was considered the epicenter of of the storm or or what, but um, I do know that it was very serious. Uh, a lot to do with the warmer uh, the the warm temperature front that moved throughout Kentucky and that kind of midwestern region. Um, also, at least fourteen people were killed in Arkansas, Illinois, Missouri, and Tennessee. Um, there was an Amazon factory that was ripped apart. Um, just a lot of really bad things happening from that storm. Uh, 
I have an NPR article here, so I can read facts. At least four, at least four EF3 and five EF2 tornadoes have been confirmed in Missouri and Illinois. An EF3 twister is considered significant or severe, with wind speeds reaching between 111 and 165 miles per hour. In Kentucky alone, the towns of Bowling Green, uh, Saloma, and the area between Casey and Beaver Creek were also likely hit by an EF3 tornado. I mean, these these things are just you can't you can't prepare for these things, you know. Um, it happened out of the blue. It happened, at, you know, at kind of at the drop of a hat. And and you can't prepare for the things. You just you can't prepare for a twister like that. You can't prepare for a tornado like that, going 120 miles per hour. Um, and you know, my heart goes out to the people that are affected by it. I'm lucky enough to have some close friends that live in Kentucky. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, nobody was affected that I know. Um, and, um, and I'm thankful for that. Um, you know, I have a very good friend of mine, Paul from Bourbon with Friends, who is, uh, really been spearheading an effort to raise some money for, um, you know, the victims of, uh, of the storm, um, who lost lives, family members, homes, supplies, I mean, it's freezing cold down there right now. They have a cold front, so a lot of these people have no clothes to wear, no food. So um, Paul raised, I think it was over $12,000. I forgot how much it was. Um, But he raised a lot of money, a significant amount of money through some Instagram lives that he did. And he's really doing good um, through the whiskey community. So I want to give a shout-out to Paul. Um... Like I said, a really good friend of mine, and he's uh, he's doing some good, and a lot of people are contributing to those, you know, in need by donating money to the American Red Cross, um, and that is a fantastic thing. So it's beautiful how this whiskey community can come together and support those in need um, when when needed. You know, whiskey isn't something that we just like to consume together. Whiskey is a lifestyle. Whiskey is a passion, and it's it's amazing to see you know all, all these people come together um and obviously the people that were affected down there in Kentucky in that region um you know I've been thinking about them uh thinking about them and it just sucks man it sucks I, I say that from from up here in Connecticut and you know I, I I have never experienced something like that we had Hurricane Sandy uh what I I wouldn't consider that even close to what happened down there um uh, at least in my area. So my heart goes out to those guys, the, to those people, to those men and women and children that were affected. And I hope everything, well, I know everything will get better. That's what America does. We rebuild bigger and better than ever. So, um, and just shout out to everyone who's been, who's been helping out down there and donating and doing their little part to make the lives of thousands of people just a little bit better after a, a horrific, tragic event so um, I wanted to really touch on that quickly before um, we get into the show and I don't mean to start the show on a sour note but these things happen in life and there's nothing that anybody can do about it you know Uh, but anyways let's get into the whiskey today you guys Uh, like I said it's been a while since it's just been you and me 
I've had some great guests on the past two weeks. I had my cousin Seth on the show um, two weeks ago for Whiskey with Kin number five. We did some Whistle Pig 10-year straight rye whiskey. That was a great episode. Um, last week, I had Daryl and Mike uh, on the show. We did a Canadian Lot for, uh, lot 40 Canadian rye whiskey flight, and that was an amazing experience. Um that I really enjoyed, and I hope you guys did too. I know a lot of people reached out to me and said that they enjoyed the show, so I uh, appreciate the, everyone who reached out for that, and I appreciate you guys, Daryl and Mike, uh, for coming on. That was a fantastic experience. There's nothing else I can say about that. It was great, um, and uh, I do have a guest next week that I will talk about uh, at the end of the show, but this week, you know, it's just me and you guys. It's just me and you. There's definitely plenty to talk about. There's for sure plenty to talk about, but you know, I I I love having guests on the show. Don't get me wrong; it's it's my it's my favorite part of of the show is being able to talk to all these different types of people about what we love whiskey. But um, you know, I started the show just myself and a camera and a mic, and so there's something just very natural about that. There's something very um, organic about that. Um, and I enjoy it. I enjoy these this church, this venting of things that are on my mind. Um, and what's on my mind right now is a little bit of Weller 107. Now, I've been meaning to do Weller 107 on the show for the longest time now. Um, I found Weller 107 for the first time last year um, here at, in a store in Connecticut. And um, I think I paid like $45 for it, maybe $50 for it. We're going to say MSRP is like, 50 bucks for sake of argument. Um, and I was super excited. I've, I had of course heard about Weller, seen Weller on the gram and on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, but never seen it in person. And once I saw it, I, I scooped it up quick. Um, and honestly, since then it's been one of my favorites. I've, I think I have probably five bottles between my two collections um, AKA my whiskey and my brother's whiskey. So, uh, it's, it's grown into one of my favorites. Um, I would consider it my daily drinker if it wasn't so freaking hard to find. Um, and it's not only that, it's a weeded bourbon. I love weeded bourbons. Um, to go into a little bit of the, the history behind Weller 107, obviously it's a break. It's a, it's a, um, Buffalo Trace product, uh, 107 proof, doesn't have an age statement. They say it's usually between six to eight years. It's bottled with the same mash bill in the same warehouse and with the same barrels as Pappy 10. So a lot of people think that this is very comparable to a younger Pappy 10. Um, The Weller brand is named after William LaRue Weller. Many people consider him the first person to use wheat as the secondary mash bill or as a secondary grain in the mash bill for, for bourbon, um, opposed to the more commonly uh, used rye, which is what 90% of bourbons are. Um, I think we talked about this before on the show, but William Lerueller had hired Julian Van Winkle, Pappy Van Winkle, um, and their two companies merged Um to make the uh, Stitzel Weller Distilling Company in 1935. They had a one of the only medicinal licenses through Prohibition, so they've been producing whiskey for a very long time. Um, 
back in the day when Weller was easy to find, I don't remember this at all, but uh, Weller Special Reserve, Weller Antique 107, and Weller, um, not foolproof, Weller 12-year were the most well-common of the Weller lineup to be found on shelves. In fact, they were actually pretty common and pretty easy to find when the prices were like $20, $30, $40 respectively between the three. Um, obviously now with what's happening in the whiskey world, they beca- they've become unicorns. They've become bottles that, you know, people really hunt for. Even these kind of relatively cheaper bourbons in Weller Special Reserve and Weller 107, people love them. People go out of their way to get them. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I, when I see a Weller on the shelf, my heart skips a beat, you know, still. I own a few of the green and red label, and uh, my heart still skips a beat when I see that Weller on the shelf. It's just a fantastic-looking bottle, especially the red and gold. Um, it really doesn't get much better than this. So we're going to crack open a brand-new Weller 107. I just killed a, a uh, my first bottle of 107 on Saturday watching UFC 269, um, which we were going to talk about. And this is a, um, like I said, a whiskey I've been I, I've been waiting to do. I was trying to find a, the correct moment to do it. I figured I have a week by myself here on the show again. It's Christmas time. I'm in a good mood. I'm spending a shit ton of money on Christmas gifts. Oh, my God. Oof, my own. I'm spending so much money on Christmas gifts. That's what Christmas time's for. Everyone's got to be happy. But um, it's all good, man. It's all good. I love giving gifts, but I hate buying gifts. I wish that all the people that I need to buy for would just hand me a list and say, this is what I want, number one, number two, number three. This is where you can find them. Here's the direct URL. I wish they would they would all email me these lists and just uh, link the URL, make it a hyperlink so I can just click on it, buy it, and have it delivered the next day. And I wish I had someone to wrap all the presents for me. Oh, my God, I'm thirsty. Jeez. The worst part about Christmas is actually buying the gifts. Now, I'm lu- I'm lucky where, you know, I use I, I mooch off my dad's Amazon Prime, so I get free delivery. And, um, you know, I, I'm not a fr- I'm honestly not afraid to spend money during Christmas. I, I'll I'll drop a few a few hundo on one gift. So I usually give pretty good gifts, and I got some really good gifts this year for um, several of my family members. So I know they're gonna like it. I know uh, we'll have a good Christmas. Christmas isn't about the gifts, but I'm not going to lie. A big chunk of Christmas to me is the gifts. I love gi- I love receiving gifts, um, mainly because my family is good at giving sentimental gifts, which I love. But I, I love giving gifts. I love looking at my brother's face when I got him UFC tickets a few years ago or, you know, when I bought my mom, a, you know, like a, one of those, uh, I say a new TV. It was a Vizio TV. It was like 200 bucks. It wasn't. Like I'm buying her an 80 inch plasma screen, um, and then I remember obviously when I was a kid, the big gifts like the Xbox consoles and the, you know, the baseball bats and the bicycles and things like that. There's, that's what you think of when you think of Christmas. It's it's about family, but it's about gifts too. <laughs> it's about family, but if I if I didn't get any gifts, I'd be 
be pissed off, you know? So um, as much as I love the family time, I do look forward to the gifts. And that is, whether we like to admit it or not, that is part of Christmas. Um, so what else is new before we go into the UFC fights? Uh, Elon Musk, I read today, was named Time Person of the Year. Kind of, kind of makes sense. But real quick, when did Elon Musk turn into a uh like someone's parents he looks like someone's dad who is trying to be like his son have you seen his haircut he looks like that um i think it's the kid from drew the nickelodeon show drew he looks like he just has has a big a big hole like uh one of those things you rub your shoes in to get the dirt off on top of his head it's ridiculous but he has a trillion dollars so i guess he can do what he wants and also if he feels good in it then i'm all for it um elon musk is someone that really intrigues me and i could go on i could honestly make a whole episode about how elon musk intrigues me um and i won't do that because there are several things that Elon Musk does that I just don't I don't know how he does it. And I've like watched YouTube videos on him and and tried to decipher trying to get tried to get into the man's head but it didn't work. Um but anyways, let's crack open this 107. Let's get a fresh bottle pop here. Oh, that was good. Mm. That was really good. Just get a little bit. It is a little late, so we don't need a whole lot. Uh, I already know I'm going to like this. So, uh, oh, I was sick last week, you guys. I got sick. I didn't get COVID. I tested myself twice, but I was sick. I had I what I think was the flu, so without going too much into it, Monday, I was fine. I went to work. Tuesday, I was coughing a lot. So I went to my boss and I was like, hey, man, I'm coughing a lot. I'll stay here if you want me to, but I can also go home and finish the day at home. It was like 930 in the morning. I just got to work like an hour before. He's like, ah, just go home. Uh, my, I, have, I have a fantastic boss. He's a really cool guy. So um, I went home. Well, I went to my mom's house first. I had some tea and I immediately got started on a pack. We keep Z-Packs in the house. We keep our prescriptions filled for moments like this. And thank God my parents do that. Um, I started a Z-Pack immediately because I knew my brother and my dad were just getting over, the, you know, being sick. Started the Z-Pack, went home, took a nappy poo, right? As I do, you know, when you go home from work early, you take a nappy poo. I woke up from said nappy poo and I was sweating my dick off. I was dripping in sweat. So I'm like, okay, this is not good. This is not supposed to happen in December. So I took my temperature. It was like 100, 101 degrees. And I'm like, ah, shit. So I call my mom, who, who, who said it looked like I had a fever before. My mom knows me better than I know me. She said it looked like I had a fever before. I said, nah, I feel fine. I'm just a little stuffed up and I'm coughing and I just want some tea and I'm going to go home, sleep it off. I'll be good. Anyway, so I have a I have a fever the rest of the day. I get a shit ton of water. I 
get Mucinex. I get a whole bunch of medicines ready. Just line them up. This is what I'm going to be taking. Um, I have my brother get me uh, some at-home COVID tests. I take two of them. They're both negative, so I know I don't have COVID. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'll see how I feel in the morning. Maybe I can just work from home the next day. And uh, this is just the brutal part. The next morning I wake up, it's 2.30 in the morning. I usually get up at 6, between 6 and 7. Um, and I am shivering cold. Shivering cold. Actually, no, at this point I know I'm not going into work the next day. Because I, I, I tell them I have a fever. Obviously, I'm not going to go into have a fever. So I know I can sleep in a little bit. 2.30, I know I can sleep until 8. And I am shivering cold. When I say, like, I've never been that cold in my life. Seriously. Uh, it was so weird. And I knew I was sick. But I just, I was so tired. I just, and, I had, and I just wanted to go right back to bed. And I was freezing. I was sleeping naked. I sleep naked. And... I go, you know, I use the bathroom. I turn the heater on the bathroom to like medium high. So that way when I wake up in the morning, it's warm. And I put on like uh, two layers. I put on pajama pants, a sweatshirt. I get another blanket. I go back to bed. Probably the worst thing I could have done because I woke up and I had mentioned I was sweating when I woke up from my nappy poo. When I, when I woke up from Betty by, I was... I, my sheets were wet. I was sweating so much. I had a pound, a pounding headache. the The worst headache I can remember. I can remember having in the longest time. And I wake up, and I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. My head's pounding. I know I have to take medicine to to make myself feel better and to get the fever down. I know I have a fever, and. I force myself to get up and I literally fall. I stand up and I fall. And I'm like, this this is not good. And then I start to feel sick. So I go to the bathroom and I'm sweating so much. The, the bathroom heater is on medium high and I'm kicking myself in the ass. Like, why the f- why did I do that? So I turn it, I, I turn it off, like and I'm not even looking at it. I'm just like reaching down and reaching down and looking at it or and turning it without even looking at it because my face is in the toilet because I'm trying to puke and I'm sweating and I can't breathe out of my nose because I'm so stuffed up and I'm just puking but I'm not actually puking because I didn't have any food I was dry heaving now after that whole escapade I felt a little bit better I could eat some food and um, I was able to take my Tylenol Motrin uh, Z-Pack and um, Mucinex. And then I stayed up for a little bit. I think I watched two episodes of Hawkeye, which I want to talk about, but I think we're going to talk about the whole series once it's over. Um, but for those watching, it, it's a fantastic show. At four episodes in, it's a fantastic show. Um, and the rest of the day was, you know, chill. I, I, my fever eventually broke. I got rid of the fever. Um, oh, I took my temperature that morning. It was 103 degrees. So that was the highest I ever got, 103. And, um, basically just chilled that day. Didn't work. Thursday, I worked from home. Still had a, a little bit of a fever, but felt way better. Friday, I felt back to normal. Um, coughing and sniffling still. And Saturday, Sunday, I felt back, I felt basically normal. And today, I've barely taken any medicine. 
It's what happens when you just wrestle in the dirt when you're a kid and you go snake hunting like I did in when I lived in North Stonington. I remember going out into the swamps and looking for snakes when I was a kid. I had a big book. I remember I helped my dad when I was a kid and we lived in North Stonington uh, clean the barn without asking. Like he didn't ask me to help him. I just swept up all the hay. And as a, this is actually so sweet. As as a thank you, he said, "All right, Connor, what um, what do you want? What do you want for that?" And I said, "I wanted a book about snakes." So nerdy. So he bought me a book of every North American snake there was. It was a thick encyclopedia, and I read it like five times. I remember. I wish I still had it. It might have been not every snake. It might have been every animal. And I would study it, and I'd go in the back woods of my house i remember like if you went back far enough there was like a little pond like with running water and i would um go back there and i would look for snakes and i found one a few times i never touched them because i was a pussy i was scared um but anyways uh that's what that's why you know i basically beat i didn't have corona but i mean probably did uh but no i beat the flu in like a day and a half so now did i use it to my advantage and have my mom drop off snacky poos to me all you know throughout the day multiple times yeah i i sure did and did she buy me a bunch of ice cream and chips and gatorades and stuff yeah she did i'm mama's boy but it's awesome having when you're still a kid, when you're an adult, but you're still kind of a kid and you get sick, it, it's basically like, it's I was basically getting treated like a hot chick. Like how, how hot chicks are treated by every dude. I was getting anything I wanted. It's like, give me some, hey mom, g- give me some ice cream. Bang. Give me a blue Gatorade. Give me a blue Gatorade with the sucky, um, like the, the twist cap that you suck. Bang. Had it. Hey, Mom, can you get me some uh, more Advil? I ran out. Had it. It's awesome. Uh, it's a bad analogy, but... <laughs> um, <coughs> see, I still can't laugh, like, a lot. I start coughing. Uh, let's get into the whiskey. I went out on a huge tangent. I'm sorry. If we're going to get into the nose here, it just smells like a lot of nice things. Cinnamon, vanilla, I get honey, I get a little bit of spearmint on there, no bite, a little butterscotch, let me go to the UFC fights, I can load them up, yeah, just a little bit of dark fruit in there too, just everything you would think of with a Weeded bourbon is what Weller 107 is. Another thing about being sick, today's the first day I didn't have to take nose spray. I usually take Afrin multiple times throughout the day when I'm sick. Today's the first day I didn't have to, and I can actually smell this. What jumps out to me here is the vanilla and the cinnamon. And the darker fruits. I don't remember getting a whole lot of dark fruit on this in the in the past. A little bit of a little bit of oak is in there as well. 
just a great nose, inviting. There's not much to say about it. It smells like a weeded bourbon nose. It's inviting, it's rich, and it's complex enough where you know there's multiple things going on. <laughs> Excuse me. But it's simple enough where you can give this to somebody, and I feel like they could maybe print, like if you said, can you smell vanilla, they would smell it. Can you smell like, um, um, let's say like dark, it's not even a dark cherry, just like dark plumminess. They would say yes. Can you smell the cinnamon? I think they would say yes. It's just a nice mix of both. So we're going to take a sip on uh, this whiskey here. We're going to break down the UFC fights real quick. Let's drink some whiskey, talk some fights, you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 57... Of Who Gives a Dram? Is this episode 57? Yes, episode 57 of Who Gives a Dram. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Let's drink some whiskey. Cinnamon. Lots of cinnamon. Vanilla. The 107 proof is just mm, perfect. Um, lots of vanilla on the back end, a plethora of vanilla on the back end, a little bit of a tobacco note on the back end, nothing dark on the palate. Um, none of that dark fruit I get, I get cinnamon, vanilla, uh, tobacco sweetness on there. Maybe even a little bit of a molasses note. Um, it's just that cinnamon heat is nice. It's oaky. Ah, oh, that's that's good. That's that's good stuff. That is good stuff. There's not a whole lot to say about Weller 107. Weller 107 is a staple, and if it's not one of your staples, it should be one of your staples. Um, UFC 269 happened this weekend. Uh, I got the fights pulled up here. Uh, I want to start with Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, so <clears throat> Dominic Cruz, where to start with this? He was the the second. The third fight on the prelims, the third of four fights, um, he defeated Pedro Munoz by unanimous decision. I think it was 49-48 uh, times three. Now, Dominic Cruz, to me, I don't have any respect for Dominic Cruz anymore ever since he bashed Daniel Cormier live on TV. If you're a, if you're a friend, you don't do that. You, you don't say you mute someone when they... When, they commentate when you also commentate because it makes you look like an asshole, like you think you're better than him, which is not the case. 10 out of 10 people would say they'd rather have DC than, than Dominic Cruz um, commentating. Coincidentally, they're both a DC, now that I think about it. Anyways, uh, Dominic Cruz got dropped twice the first round, didn't look good. Um, but he came back the second and third round and, and kind of beat up Pedro Munoz. Uh, which was impressive because uh, Pedro Munoz, uh, you know, recently knocked the fuck out of Cody Garbrandt. Forgot what what he did before that. Um, let's see, what did he do? He lost to Jose Aldo. That's what he. That's what it was. Um, oh, he's fought a. He's fought quite a bit since Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, he won. He knocked out Cody Garbrandt. Then he lost to Aljamain Sterling. He lost to Frankie Edgar. He won against Jimmy Rivera. I remember that fight. Um, then he lost to Josie. So he's been losing to big names. He's been losing to 
you know, the top of the division. But um, I don't think Dominic Cruz is on the top of the division anymore. I think that he gets beat by anyone in the top five. I think he looked sloppy in parts of the fight. And I just think that you need to have power to be a legit contender now because everyone is so well-rounded. Dominic Cruz is not going to knock anybody out. He literally throws punches with his arms fully extended and, like, the angles that he throws them. He might, he'll touch you and he'll he'll point you up, but he's not going to knock you out. And I think if he gets to someone like Peter Yan, even Jose Aldo, uh, Corey Sandehagen, they're just gonna walk right through those punches, and they're gonna and they're gonna get inside with Dominic Cruz, turn it into a into a rumble. And Dominic Cruz does not do well in rumbles. Look at his fight versus Cody Garbrandt. He lost to Cody Garbrandt. How do you lose against Cody Garbrandt? Um, <clears throat> let's see here. The main event of the prelims: Josh Emmett beat Dan 50k. I uh I Igi uh no Ige Dan 50. Dan, 50K, Ige, um, good fight. I had I had Dan Ige winning, but, like, I had him, I predicted him to win, but Josh Emmett def- definitely won the fight. He won by unanimous decision. Um, to open up the card, we had, um, where's the O'Malley fight? We had Sean O'Malley. Uh, he beat up on Ra- Raulian. Paiva, um, who was twenty one and three at the time, uh, so legit a legit content not a contender but a legit fight. O'Malley knocked him out in the first round, pieced him up with a beautiful combination, um, slipped a strike from from uh, Paiva, landed a right hand of his own, you know, got him up against the fe- uh, fence a little bit, landed a flurry, landed a big uppercut. Um, Paiva fell to the ground, O'Malley hammer fist to end the fight. Um, and what I love about O'Malley, he's been, he's been really active this year. So, I mean, he's fighting cans for the most part. He's fighting tomato cans. Let's be real. He's not fighting anyone who's a legit contender. But I love that for O'Malley because when you have someone who's a legit star, you need to groom him a little bit. O'Malley's 27 years old. He's still young. He's got so much time. And he's so exciting to watch. Um, I do think that they give him a top 15 opponent. And I think they rank him probably number 15. If I had to guess, the rankings aren't out right now as I record this. Um, And, you know, it's just a very, very um, impressive win for Sean O'Malley. He's one of my favorite fighters. I love his style. I love how patient he is with his strikes and how... He controls the distance better than almost anyone in the UFC. I mean, you have McGregor, um, Stylebender, uh, Peter Yan, Max Holloway, all great strikers, all world-renowned strikers. O'Malley's up there, I think. He's young, but I think I really think he's up there. He's a big bantamweight. I can see him being the champion of the division. I can see him making a big run. We'll see. I don't. I don't know for certain. He has lost once already, although it was a fluke. I really hope he gets to make that up against Cheeto Barra, because Cheeto Barra is gonna he's gonna fight a top five opponent next, and I really hope O'Malley and and Vera could run that back. Imagine if they ran that back for the championship; that'd be intense. Uh, let's take another sip of whiskey here. 
Ooh, that second sip was a lot of cinnamon. A lot of cin just cinnamon and vanilla. The, the 107 proof on this just comes beautifully out, especially on the back end. It lingers just the perfect amount of time. It feels like my the entirety of my mouth, like it's a full-bodied experience. I love this dram. Second fight of the main card, uh, Kai Cara France knocked out Cody Garbrandt. I hate Cody Garbrandt, okay? Cody Garbrandt is like, he's lost four of his last five all by knockout. He got knocked out by Dillashaw twice. He got knocked out by Pedro Munoz. He was decisioned by Rob Font. And then he tried to move down to 125, and he got knocked the fuck out by Kai Cara France. Um... I knew this was going to happen. I called it. I picked that fight. I picked Car France to win this, even though he was the underdog. Um, I just think that Cody Garbrandt, as soon as he gets hurt a little bit, that he doesn't move his head when he strikes, which is, I don't know how he beat Dominic Cruz. But he's, that means he's going to get clipped. And once he gets clipped, when you get clipped by Dominic Cruz, it doesn't hurt because he's throwing from five feet away, and it's like an angle... It's like a 187-degree angle that he's throwing. With Car with someone who can actually box, you know, they 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 land clean, and it's going to, if you're not moving your head, you're going to get clipped, and it's going to do some damage. That's what happens with Cody Garbrandt. And instead of wrestling or or backing away, he, he tries to ignite a, a, a brawl, and it never works out in his favor. Seriously, it never works out in his favor. It didn't work out for either Dillashaw fight. It didn't work out for the Munoz fight. And it did not work out for this fight. So I think Garbrandt and O'Malley should fight next. They had some beef. I think that that should be the next fight. If I was Sean Shelby, that's the fight that I would make. I'm not Sean Shelby, so I can't do that. But um, I think there's enough bad blood. I think Cody Garbrandt, uh, he's not going to have any success at 125. He might as well just move up where he's comfortable, where he was a former champion, and get that big payday for Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley has a huge name in front of him who's probably going to be ranked in probably like 11 or 12 um, in the bantamweight division because um, it's so stacked right now. And I just think it's a perfect matchup. There's already bad blood there, and I think it's a very winnable fight for Sean O'Malley. Um Jeff Neal defeated Santiago Ponzinibbio by split decision. Entertaining fight. Nothing special about it. Jeff Neal just got twisted for a DWI. So at that point, I knew he was going to win because you get embarrassed when that happens to you. And you don't want to get embarrassed again. So um, I knew that that was going to happen. I did pick Jeff Neal as well. He was an underdog, I think. Um, it was kind of slow paced in some moments, but... Entertaining fight, nonetheless. This was just a primer, a warm-up to our co-main event, which was uh, Juliana Pena versus uh, Amanda Nunes. And Amanda Nunes is known as the women's greatest of all time. You know, she knocked out Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, uh, Holly Holmes, uh, Cyborg. Um, she just tapped Megan Anderson. Uh, she defeated Jermaine Durand. I mean, she's just beat... Anybody of significance, Valentina Shevchenko twice, even though she lost a second time. She's defeated everybody of significance in the women's bantamweight and the women's featherweight divisions. 
which is 135 and 145 pounds for women. Um, Juliana Pena hasn't won a f- two fights in a row in the UFC ever. She was a minus 650, and Amanda Nunes was a plus 1,000. That tells you how lopsided this fight was. Um, the first round, Amanda Nunes landed some good shots within like two minutes, and then all of a sudden she looked like she didn't even train. Like she just gassed. And Juliana Pena started take, landing some big shots. The fight got to the ground for the last like a minute and 30 seconds, and towards the end of that, Juliana Pena was setting up a nice Kimura, uh, Kimura lock, and they blow the bell. You know, they, they um, you know, the round ends. They come off round two. And Amanda Nunes is just throwing with Juliana Pena, but she's throwing wild. She's taking deep breaths. There's no power behind these shots. Juliana Pena is countering Amanda Nunes, and Juliana Pena ends up clinching with Amanda Nunes, takes her down easy, takes her back, and within 10 seconds, doesn't even have a full choke in, you know, has one arm around Amanda Nunes' face, and Amanda Nunes taps. Juliana Pena has one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. Um, And... She's the new champion. Nobody expected that. I did not expect that to happen. Um, I have a theory about what did happen. Ah, it's so it's, it's like it's ten oh nine here right now. Perfect dram to have at ten oh nine p.m. I'll tell you that much. Um. My theory of what what happened was I don't think Amanda Nunes trained. I don't think she trained for the fight. I think she just kind of took it off. She's happy with where she's at. She has a kid. She has a wife. She's happy. She's made, according to Dana White, a shit ton of money. What else does she have to prove? She just is she just gonna keep on fighting these no names? So she has a big rematch, you know, with Juliana Pena that a lot of people will tune in for. Um, I do like her chances against Juliana Pena. I just don't. I really don't think Amanda Nunes trained for this fight. And in my mind, she's a coward. I don't like her anymore. I'm rooting for Juliana Pena in the rematch. Shout out Juliana Pena. You deserve that shit. I did not think you were gonna win. Main event: Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. And this was. Um, Honestly, not even that close of a fight. Uh, I, I love Dustin Poirier, even though he beat my guy McGregor twice, technically. Um, even though him and, him and McGregor have some bra- bad blood, I love Dustin Poirier. And he's been my top one of my top five fighters for since I started following UFC in 2015. Um, however, um, Dustin Poirier does great when the fight is kept to the outside and a brawl is ignited on his own terms. If someone can ignite a brawl, it also has the potential to take your back and choke you out at any second. It's not a good matchup for Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier looked like he got tired real quick. He may have won the first round barely. I don't know, but the second round was a 10-8 regardless. He spent the entire round on his back. Charles Oliveira mauled him and was in the guard position the entire round. Um, and the third round, Oliveira literally put himself on Poirier's back like a backpack and put him in a standing guillotine and choked him out. The first round was entertaining. Lots of good back and forth. Oliveira got clipped a few times. Dustin Poirier got clipped a few times. Dustin Poirier probably won the round, but it was close. And after the second round, um, 
you could tell Dustin Poirier just didn't want to try to get out of the position he was in because he didn't want to have the chance of Oliveira getting to his back and taking his neck because when Oliveira gets to your back, he's going to take your neck. He has the most submission wins in UFC history for a reason. The guy's lanky. The guy's spindly. Uh, the guy has very blonde, beach-dyed blonde, bleach-dyed blonde hair. And um, that didn't happen, so I knew what Dustin Poirier was doing. I knew he was basically taking the round off, you know, taking, you know, uh, declaring to lose that round rather than lose the fight, potentially trying to move position. Round three was just dominating fashion. Oliveira put himself on Poirier like a backpack. Now, Moving forward, and I am this this podcast going on kind of long, uh, so we're gonna end it here in a second. I'm gonna give my rating for 107 here in a second, but here's what I think is happening from the main event. Um, Poirier, you know, I if I was matchmaking, if it was me doing making the calls, I would advise if I was Paul Heyman to Dustin Poirier, I would advise my client to not take the 155-pound cut for the next fight. Take a fight at 170 and fight um, uh, Kobe Chaos Covington. There's bad blood. It's a great matchup for both of them. They're both strikers. You know, they're both... Kobe Covington has a great wrestling base and a fantastic and fantastic cardio and a fantastic chin. Dustin Poirier sets a great pace, has great cardio, has a great chin, and can box with the best of them. So I think it's I think it's set up to be a great fight. I don't I think I edge Kobe Covington in the matchup, but it's a great fight for Dustin Poirier. He makes a he makes a bag doing it. That's a that's a you know that could main event a pay per view. I think if not be you know co main to a huge maybe like McGregor card or something. I don't think McGregor Poirier happens next. Um, Charles Oliveira is going to fight Justin Gaethje, and I don't like that matchup for for Oliveira. I think Oliveira does great against anybody who doesn't push the pace on them. Gaethje has a suspect chin, which is which would give Oliveira the only way to beat Gaethje. Um, otherwise, Gaethje is just going to march forward. He's not going to be afraid of getting taken down, and he's just going to throw bombs, and Gaethje sleeps people. And Oliveira has been shown to be able to get hit every fight. He nearly lost 10-8 to Chandler. He lost 10-9 to Poirier, uh, both in the first rounds, and he got knocked both times. He got sli- he got slapped both times. Uh, so I don't know if I like his chances against Gaethje. I don't know where I put my money. It'd be a great fight. I think that's the next fight moving forward. And that's my recap of UFC 269. It was a great night of fights. I enjoyed myself very much. I was with my family, um, drinking, uh, you know, bottle killing my first bottle of a Willer 107. Thankfully, I have two backups. And um, I just I just really enjoyed the night. I really enjoyed the night. Now, it is past my bedtime. It is 10.15, so I need to I need to wrap this up. My general consensus on Weller 107. The palate's delicious. Cinnamon and vanilla take over the palate. A little bit of oak and tobacco on the finish. It's right up my alley. There's no rice spice on this. There's a little bit of barrel spice due to the 107 proof. Um, I think for $50 a bottle, this is about as good as, as bourbon gets. 
This is it doesn't really get better than this. Um, it's got everything that you would want in a bourbon. It's got the complexity of different notes, yet it's simple enough because it's a weeded bourbon, because weeded bourbons typically have the same-ish taste, um, where even a novice, I think, could enjoy this. Um, I just got a three-ounce pour of Weller 107 at a new restaurant in downtown here uh, two weekends ago for 13 bucks. Three ounces for 13 bucks, which was awesome. Uh, shout out Surf Cantina. But um, overall, you know what's really gonna what's really gonna hurt the the score on this is the availability. I think this would probably be at least a nine point five, um, not if if maybe maybe even a nine point six, if it wasn't so damn hard to find, and if I didn't find it for a hundred fifty dollars in some places, um, like I did tonight. Uh, due to that, I'm gonna give it. I'm, I'm gonna minus it to three point. Point three points based on a 9.6 i'm going to give it a 9.3 it is i mean it's up there with my my favorite bourbons i would put this in my top five without a doubt um actually you know what 9.4 9.4 that's going to be stamped uh it's right up there with my with colonel each other small batch it's right up there with larceny barrel proof for me it's right up there with the best of the best elijah craig barrel proofs um it's right up there with my favorite scotches that are that are really high scored this would be one. This is in my top five pours of all time, um, and I will take that. I will, as the kids say, I will die on that hill. So, uh, nine point four Weller one hundred seven. Stamp that in. And with that being said, it is time for me to go to bed. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in for episode fifty seven of um, Who Gives a Dram. Um, next week, I said we we're gonna we we're gonna announce a special guest. Next week, I'm going to have. The man behind my theme music, my intro music, and my outro music on the show live, in person. We're going to get it on video. Fingers crossed, I hope. Um, Nick Bossy's going to come on the show. My buddy Nick Bossy. I asked him if he'd come on the Christmas episode. He's one of my best friends, so you know I knew he was going to be down. We've been talking about it ever since I started the show. And um, I'm going to go to his house. He's got a whole setup just for me. And we're going to talk whiskey, we're going to talk music, and maybe he'll even sing us a song or two, because he does have a, a voice that sounds like a mixture of Fergie and Jesus, so I hope he does. Um, so look forward to that next week, you guys. Make sure you're subscribed on all platforms so you don't miss an episode. Uh, tell your friends about Who Gives a Dram. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure you like and comment on the videos on YouTube. Um, and I am going to have a few big announcements coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, this week, though, I am going to have Nick Bossy playing me out uh, What Happened to Country, as he always does every single week. And uh, to the people in Kentucky, again, my, my heart is with you guys. To the people in that region, my heart is with you guys. And um, this whiskey community is the best. I'm, I feel privileged to know um so many great people in this community that are currently helping those in need down there so uh you guys are in my thoughts and uh as always you guys thank you so much thank you for tuning in for another week and don't forget whiskey's the water of life so let's start living my hands are tired from paying my bills staring at a bottle maiming to kill 
Weeks pass on by and the seasons to change And I'm playing my song, trying to make me a name People say as they walk out the bar The kids gone places, maybe even a star but They don't play country down in Nashville today Just the same chord progression With nothing to say What happened to country? Three chords and the truth And who's gonna step up? Fill their big shoes Writing songs about outlaws Singing all night And songs that'll make A grown man cry They use auto-tune now down on Music Row True country died there a long time ago No, they don't play Waylon on the Boulevard But they'll do anything to be rock stars What happened to country? Three chords and the truth And who's gonna step up? Fill their big shoes, writing songs about our loss, singing all night and songs that'll make a grown man cry. hope for us yet cause there's millions of people who cannot forget the way Johnny Cash brought a tear to their eyes or how Marty Robbins painted Texas skies what happened to country the cards and the truth and who's gonna step up and fill their big shoes writing songs about outlaws Singing all night and songs that'll make a grown man cry. A grown man cry. A grown man cry. I won't let country die.